0: hello everyone and welcome to another productivity app chat today we have carl joining us i will take that banner off the screen hold up a second there we go and now we have some names up there we go um so what essentially we're going to do is we're going to talk about productivity apps tools philosophy methodology and everything in between today we have carl joining us i've titled it to do us the nevernote because i know they are Two tools you're, you're fairly familiar with. <laughs> um, Just a little bit. Mm. <laughs> what, what, what episode are you on now? 270-something of Todoist? Something like that with Todoist, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm i very familiar with your channel, for, but for those mm. that aren't too familiar with your channel, do you want to do a, a quick intro as to what you do and who you are?
1: Well, essentially, uh, my YouTube channel, blog, po- podcast newsletters pretty much everything I do is related to productivity and time management and that sounds very general but essentially what I really do firmly believe is that people need to find the right tools for them and the right system for them so they can actually start building a life they want to leave instead of a life that's dominated by their work
0: yeah Sounds good. Sounds good. Very similar to a lot of the people that come on, come on stream. And it's, it's one of those things, especially now that I think everyone living at home, digital tours are great. I love them. I love exploring them. I think a lot of people in the community do, but exploring tours and everything, you actually got to get some stuff done with them. Absolutely. (laughs) So um, first question, just to sort of get the the tools bit out of the way. I know you use Todoist and Evernote. Are there any other tools in your toolbox that you use on a daily basis quite frequently? That could be email, calendar, text expanders of, of any kind or paper.
1: Well, no, um, I Text Expander is definitely one of them. Um, that's always one of the first. Actually, I'm quite up to date on this because last week I <laughs> upgraded my my computer. So I the first apps that I will download immediately is one password. That's the first one. Because without that, I can't download. Well, I can download stuff, but I can't log in. Secondly, it's to do is thirdly, it's Evernote, because Evernote has all my <laughs> instructions from the from the last time I updated my Mac. You know, being British, for example when you buy a new Mac, I don't know about what happens with Windows, but when you buy a new Mac, particularly when you buy in Korea, the keyboard is set for US English, which on the whole surface sounds fine, but you try finding the pound symbol. It's not there. So what I have to do is I have to change the keyboard layout to the British layout, and then that kind of like, I can never remember how to do that. So I have an Evernote note that's gone back 10 years with all these little instructions to change these settings. So that's why Evernote is like kind of the second app. Then it's Todoist. And then what I actually do is I just wait and see if I need something. But the other one that was like, the next one that I downloaded was Ulysses, which is my writing app of choice. And everything I write starts in Ulysses. And I've been doing that now five years. And I absolutely adore that app. I can start a blog, but I've written like a whole blog post just on my phone with Ulysses. And as soon as I get back to my desk, it's there waiting for me on my computer. Yeah, it's just brilliant application for writing. Um, and then, yes, yeah, I mentioned Text Expander, couldn't live without it. Um, when it stops working, which occasionally it does because of the Apple security system, uh, it's not Text Expander's fault. Uh, I completely missed that. He's <laughs> like, oh, "Why is it not working?" <laughs> so that was another one. And for mail, I'm just I just stick with the Apple mail. I play around with uh, Outlook because I'm curious because a lot of my coaching clients are using Outlook and are really stuck. And I thought last year actually I thought, "Well, it must be Outlook's problem because so many people are having difficulties," and it isn't Outlook's problem. It's the process, <laughs> and <laughs> so um, that's a but I just use Apple Mail, it's really simple. And when I was thinking about it, I've been using that for about 20 years. Um, I did have a couple of years when I played with uh, Newton, but then they just went off, then came back, then off and then came back. I thought, no, 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 I need consistency. So I just went back to Apple Mail. And so those are like the the things in my toolbox. Calendar, back end, I'm using Google Calendar uh, because it's just so much easier to collaborate with other people. Uh, but I have that running into Fantastical, um, which I've used for, again, for many, many years. Uh, I think it's ugly, to be honest. I know people say it's really beautiful. I actually prefer Apple Calendar um, for in terms of the aesthetics. But Fantastical just gives me that few extra options. Like um, if I'm doing podcasts, it doesn't come through as a coaching call, but it's still a call to me. So I want to color so i can change the color in fast fantastical i can't change the color in apple mail in apple calendar
0: yeah i think the so i was talking with uh, someone else brian uh, who's very into obsidian and he he tags a lot of his notes in obsidian with emojis and their their new color graph uh, has loads of colors in it and i think bringing color into whatever organization you have calendar email tasks It's it's easier to separate things. That's what I find anyway. Bringing some sort of color. What would you? With the calendar, I just want to have a
1: quick view and see Mm -hmm. what am I doing today. And for me, anything purple means I'm on a call, whether it's a coaching call, a podcast interview, uh, or a or or a seminar or something. Um, but it means I'm on a call so I can immediately see okay I need to lift the desk I need to stand up set up my microphone um, so I can just see that from the color I don't need to go and say what am I doing so yeah, that's yeah, why you, I have the, the colors you are important. don't have to go read everything. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, Torin good to see you Murat good to see you Mel good to see you Kevin good to see you and I'm sure also Mario in here as well yeah Mario as well awesome so um, I, I'm, before I get on to a couple of questions from chat, you mentioned Ulysses and Evernote. How do you differentiate between the two? How do you decide whether you're going to use Ulysses or Evernote?
1: Ulysses is just for writing. So it's like blog posts, books, articles, um, even the actual for when I'm creating an online course, course descriptions, all that's kept in Ulysses. So the good thing is is I've been using Ulysses now for, I say, about five five years, I think. And I started developing my online courses probably about four years ago. So all the original course descriptions are in there. So when I update a course, I don't have to restart writing. I can just do a quick search, find the course, and then review the the course description, update it where it needs updating. Um, Evernote is just my notes. I mean, it's ideas get dumped in there. I would never write anything long form in there. Not that Evernote couldn't do it because I know many people who write their blog posts in Evernote, but the export functionality in Evernote isn't quite what I need for when I'm writing books or I want to be able to export as an EPUB, which I can do in Ulysses, but I can't export from Evernote EPUB or even Microsoft Word, which I can in Ulysses.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. It's, It's one of those things I think when it comes to applications it's what what exactly what features you really need from them. Uh, so I was speaking to uh, Scott Friesen from Simpletivity a couple of mm-hmm. a couple of streams ago, and he was using Google Keep as his quick capture note-taking. Sounds like mm-hmm. that's what you're using Evernote for. And then he's using his Notion, like Notion for his actual brainstorming of thinking, uh, which brings me onto a question that was brought up in
1: chat. Uh, Murat said, why not Notion? Well, I played with Notion about a, ooh, 18 months ago and uh, i downloaded it really excited because i'd been watching francesco and what he was doing with it And i thought oh wow this is the answer to all my prayers it's uh, really exciting and then i found myself spending a whole day eight hours setting it up playing around with it playing with the features and i went oh my god this is the worst app ever for productivity because when i went back to my to-do list I started the day with 15 tasks on it. And when I'd finished setting up Notion to where I wanted it to be, I still had 50. Actually, I had more. I had 18 tasks on it because I'd added more. Must do this with Notion later. Must do this with Notion later. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I, I stopped myself and said, hang on a minute. Does this solve any problem that I have at the moment? And it didn't. And it actually would have caused me huge amounts of problems with productivity, yeah, it's a great tool to play with. It's incredibly function. I mean, the functionality of it is amazing. And if I was starting out again, it would definitely be a contender. But when you've got like over 10,000 notes in Evernote and you've got a settled system that works, why do you need Notion? I mean, that was the question I asked myself. And to be honest, although I could see I could have so much fun with that notion, I also realized that that fun would be at the expense of my own personal productivity. So I I said no. And I keep going back and having a look, but you know, like the web clipper, they've got a web clipper, but it's not quite as good as Evernote's web clipper. And not quite means it's not, means it isn't good enough for me to switch. It'd have to be amazing for me to switch. And the way I would look at Notion is it's good, but it's not amazing. But then there's no apps out there. I mean, I even played around with OneNote when Evernote was going through issues last year. (laughs) And I was really thinking, well, hang on. Again, I have to stop myself because like most people who love apps and product and those tools, the temptation to switch is so strong. And I looked around, but then I had to ask that question again. Will this solve any problems that I have at the moment? And the answer was no. So I'm sticking with boring old Evernote, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, that question is something that I tell a lot of my clients and a lot of people that ask me about where do I start with Notion, what apps do I use, where do I go, all of that sort of stuff. comes down to the same thing. What, what problem, what friction point, what, what irritation are you solving by using that tool or by changing your system in whatever way? Uh, so I think that's very, very aware of you to go, actually... This isn't solving a problem that I have.
1: It's just changing what I've got to something else. Do I need it? No. Hmm. (laughs) But you see, the thing is I've been doing productivity since I was in middle school and I've learned my lessons well. And when the iPhone first came out uh, and there was, I got my first iPhone in 2009 and it was also the same year that I I got to know GTD getting things done. And I went stupidly mad for three or four years. I tried every new app on the market and I would say, this is it, this is the answer to all my problems. And it never was. And eventually what I, I I got onto OmniFocus and OmniFocus was actually the task manager I used for probably about three years solidly. And I loved it and I was a huge fan and promoter of OmniFocus for anyone in the Apple world. But then one day I was thinking, wait a minute, I'm spending too much time playing with the features here. I could never get the perspective I wanted. And so I was always fiddling with the perspectives to try and get that perfect workflow. And at that time, Todoist was becoming a bit of a thing. And everyone was talking about Todoist. And then uh, Mike Vardy, who I've been following for years and years and years, he said, I'm switching to, because he was an OmniFocus user, and he said, I'm switching to Todoist. I went, this is a serious app. So I started looking at it, and I ran it side by side with Omnifocus just for about six months because to me, the task manager is such a core component of a productivity system, and I wasn't gonna and I said, "This is it, I'm never gonna switch again. I've had enough of this switching business because it just disrupts you for so long. so I ran it for six months, loved every minute of it, and then eventually i pulled I just pulled the plug on Omnifocus and went all in on to doist, and that was what oh would be about six years ago now and you know it's solid it's and the beauty of when you've been with an app that long is you un, you know it inside out i know every keyboard shortcut i need i i don't even have to think so i have an idea you know for me shift command a straight into to doist and it just works and you only get that level of expertise with an app when you stick with an app for years and years and years and years if you keep switching to the latest Obsidian or um, was it Rome? Rome Research. <laughs> Rome Research. And I mean, they numbers, all look no. brilliant. <laughs> Just, yeah, no, they look absolutely fantastic and their marketing is brilliant and they get people like uh, Thomas Frank to promote them for them. I'm not saying that Thomas Frank is being paid, but he does some great videos on this. And it is so tempting to think, yes, this is the answer. But what people don't know is that Thomas has spent hours and hours and hours making it look fantastic, but yours will never look like that. So uh, same with I, Ali,
0: same I, with all the big influencers. They, it's yeah. the, the, what what, I, what I've said a couple of times with uh, individuals when asking about videos is the video is the finished product. It's the 10 minutes of, here's, here's the, the finished product. I,
1: I keep my mistakes in there. I just keep my mistakes in there to prove that I'm real. I'm, I, this is it. I make mistakes just like everyone else.
0: I mean, even with the the video mistakes, you look at some of the setups that people have built and they're sharing notion being a specific one. You look at the system and go, they're talking about this for 20 minutes, but it probably took them a week, two weeks to build the
1: thing. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, it's
0: going to be slightly different anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, Evernote with me, I've probably gone through thousands of different ways of managing it and organizing it over the 11 years I've used it. But I still. The thing is, I know the nuts and bolts of Evernote. Although I feel like I'm <laughs> having to relearn it at the moment because uh, it's the new Evernote, but um, it's still Evernote, really, uh, yeah. and it works pretty much the same way as always has done.
0: Yeah, that's very true, and that's. I think that's something when it comes so uh, when it comes to the apps like Atlassian, obviously have Trello, uh, Confluence, and Jira. They're, they're sort of like. That's the suite. And then you've got, obviously, the Google suite of tools, Microsoft suite of tools. They're, they're consistent and they're reliable. You, could, you can trust them because they've been around for however many years. Evernote and mm-hmm. Todoist both fit in that category. They're, they're trustworthy. Some of the newer yeah. apps, you're thinking, how long is it staying around for?
1: That with Newton. Newton, they sound a similar. Um, Newton Email is a fantastic email app, and um, I i ran it for i think i ran it for about 18 months 2 years cuz it, and it was solid and then they just decided oh we can't run this anymore we've run out of money so we're closing down in september oh thanks <laughs> so okay stick with apple mail it's not going anywhere
0: yep yeah, exactly i think a lot of a lot of people in business need that security as well uh, mm-hmm. especially with some of the cloud-based applications that potentially, I mean, I know Notion have been having some struggles with their with their storage and speed recently. ClickUp have also had some issues with their speed recently. Asana's had some troubles as well. Because they're cloud-based, it, they're not in full control. Right, And right. If, if you lose that as a business,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> not, not <laughs> it
1: good. disappears.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, I know Torren's a follower of yours. He's
1: suggesting working with Ulysses series maybe. Oh, I've done a video on Ulysses and how I use it, but it's, um, I I don't know. It's just such a simple app to learn. It's not actually, you know, it's just writing. It's, it, you know, you, you open it up and I usually direct people to a guy called um, uh, Sean Blank of The Sweet Setup because they've done a Ulysses course, which I did, which is fantastic. Um, but even if you don't want to do, take their course, they've got so many blog posts that are, with videos attached to them on setups for Ulysses. And I always ask myself, could I do it better? And the answer was, I can't do any better than what they've done. They've done such a fantastic job. So when people ask me about what about Ulysses, if they want to learn more, go to the sweet setup, uh, Mike, uh, sorry, Sean, Sean Blank. Uh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant video there. It's about 20 minutes long. And he takes you through step by step how he organizes all his folders. And uh, my my setup is based on that, uh, because I couldn't find well, there isn't a better system than what he's got set up.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think when it comes to applications, there's there's typically a a not necessarily a best, but a a working system, a working framework to build upon. So in Notion, typically, you'll have a master task database of some sort, a master project database of some sort, and a master notes database. What else you have? That that's all out there. But once you've got those core fundamentals, you're set. I imagine with Todoist, once you've got your your folders essentially your projects set up, it's just what colors? What do you put in where? And that that brings that brings the, the features out of it and asks the person, okay, what what is your system? What what are you actually going to do? <laughs> um, mm. Do you have do you have that written down anywhere? Do you have it in your head? Like this is my process, or how how do you um, work? Not really, because
1: I I work a system that I call the time sector system. So I don't have my projects in my task manager. I just all my tasks are in there and they're organised by when I'm going to do them because. In the 21st century, um, you know, it's really about time. Uh, we're getting less and less of it. We, you know, when when I started my digital productivity journey, there was no such thing as Slack or Twist or uh, WhatsApp was very new, and people were using it more for social things. Over here in Korea, we've got one called Kakao Talk, which is pretty much WhatsApp, but the Korean version. And companies all have their their team groups, everything's in cacao talk. None of this existed when I started out with my first iPhone in two thousand and nine, and I realized that things were very much simpler then. But now, as time's gone by, you know we've got slack messages coming in we 've got WhatsApp groups messages coming in it 's constant barrage. And I don't have time to start thinking, which project does this belong to? Which project does that belong to? How should I tag this? How should I label this or whatever? I don't have time for that. So the only decision I really need to make is when, when am I gonna do this? This week, next week, later this month, next month, when, when am I going to do it? And I find now that I'm so fast at processing my inbox because that's the only question I need to ask. And if it needs doing this week, I'll add a date. And that's the only time I would add a date um so and then i just have my process which is a workflow so i've got my start of day my daily focus and my closing down that's it my filters so start of day is just like um basically my objectives what's my objective this today what am i what do i if you like what are my must do's today and i try and restrict that to two because realistically trying to do more than that when when the day starts and all the unknowns come in and the emergencies and the crises calls, because there always somebody else has a crisis. Um, You know, realistically, I know I can get two objectives done. But if you do two objectives a day, seven days a week, that's 14 times that by four. My maths is not that good. Um, But we're talking quite a lot. (laughs) It's 28. Um, 56 is 56 really meaningful tasks a month. And how many people... Rick can put their hand on their heart and say, I get 56 or more really meaningful tasks done a month. There's not many people because we end up getting caught up in that daily deluge of emergencies and crises. that are not really emergencies and crises. And if you ignored them, they'd sort themselves out. Most of them would sort themselves out on their own anyway. I love this wonderful story about Napoleon. I don't know if it was true, but Napoleon always told the, um, the guy who was dealing with his email, or well, he probably wasn't dealing with email in those days. Actually, it was mail. Every time he got a mail, he told him to put it to one side for three weeks because he said 72% of all the de- demands and requests in there will have sorted themselves out within that time period. And I kind of follow the same thing these days. Um, I know that if I leave something until the end of the day and then I get back to somebody, that usually the replies, it's okay, I sorted it out. But, you know, at 9 o'clock this morning, that was a major crisis. Um, oh, yes. So, you know, I, I'm the kind of position I'm in now is I try not to be as reactive. Um, I've learned now what a genuine crisis looks like and what a panic looks like, and I can ignore the panics. Um, so, so my process is just the two objectives, get them done. My focus work for the day is usually about eight tasks that are really important that I would like to get done, but it wouldn't be the end of the day world if I didn't, and I just reschedule if I don't. The ones I don't get done. And then the closing down is just to kind of little reminders. Don't forget to plan tomorrow <laughs> and little things like that. Okay, very nice. It's, it's funny that you say about
0: the, the, the things to potentially ignore. The first thing that struck, struck to mind is the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first yeah. thing that came, that came to mind and i was like yep yep that makes sense and with with my email so managing my email i i go with inbox zero uh, mm-hmm. at a certain point in the day so i check my emails in the morning every morning and that's it if you email me after that check-in point i won't see it till the next day um mm-hmm. yes there are some negatives about it but it saves me from being stressed out about checking my emails every
1: day <laughs> like all well, the time I think, I think people need to realize with email is think of it this way if your house was on fire your neighbors would not be emailing you to tell you. You know, (laughs) there are better ways to get in touch with you if there's something really important. So you don't, I know that a lot of people will say, oh, but my boss expects me to reply to the email. But I would always ask the question, why? Because usually that reason why is because you've always responded quickly. But if you always respond quickly to your bosses or your clients' emails, you're setting an expectation. And that is incredibly dangerous. And when I first came to Korea, we in Korean society and like most Asian cultures it's what we call a very hierarchical society. It's based on Confucianism. And the boss is God, basically. And when the boss says jump, you know, you say how high. So I've seen people in a meeting with a really important client at a very crucial time, get a call from their boss and they will answer it in the meeting because it's their boss calling. Now, I was shocked when I first saw this, but also when I first came to Korea, <laughs> I was kind of naive. I didn't know about this. And My chairman of the company I was working for at the time called me on a Saturday, and I just ignored it because I thought, hey, it's weekend. I don't work weekends. You know, My British culture was still very strong in those days. On Monday morning, I called him back, and he says, uh, I called you on Saturday. I said, yes, I know. I'm, I'm returning your call. Why didn't you answer your phone? Well, it's a weekend. I don't. And I I had to think very quickly. Uh, I I don't carry my phone with me on a weekend. (laughs) But it was a wake-up call. When I talked to my Korean colleagues about it, you ignored his call? (gasps) They were really shocked. And I thought, yeah, that's quite normal. Um, But also I realized that after that, he never expected me to answer the phone on a weekend. So even in a very Confucius uh, Confucian society you can change things because you set the expectation and I loved it because I started getting revenge on him because I would call him at 6am on a Monday morning <laughs> <laughs> and so he stopped calling me on a weekend. In the end,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that speaks a lot to behaviour and how your behaviour. You can, I think. I think the the way I see it is, if you if you believe or you act the way that you want to be, then you're more like maybe self fulfilling prophecies in there to an extent. um But if you act the way you want to want to be, the person you want to do or whatever that happens to be. Uh, it, it kind of guides itself if you just act in that way and you build up expectations. I know for me when working with clients, very, very similar. If you respond like that, they expect an
1: instant response every time. It, it just... uh, and one of, the, one of the tips I would always say to people is, look, you can't, if you've already set the expectation, it's very difficult to change it, but you can change mm-hmm. it slowly. So if, you're, if you normally respond to a boss or a client within 30 minutes, make it 45 minutes next time. And then make it an hour. Just gradually extend that time. You need to give yourself breathing room anyway. But the other thing is, if you if it's a new client, tell them your rules. Like, I don't respond to email after such a time. If you need to contact me and it's urgent, text me or call me. They won't call you because these days, how many people pick up the phone and call people? <laughs> but you can say, if it's urgent, call me. Um, I don't respond to email. Or I, I my users say, I try because re- I... Try I don't want to set the expectation too strong. I try to respond to email within 24 hours and I tell everybody that. I even put it out on my YouTube channel as well. Um, And I'm so surprised that I will respond to somebody like 24 hours after they emailed me and the reply is, thank you for your quick reply. So I'm guessing there's a lot of slow responses coming out on email.
0: Yeah, I, I get the same thing and I, so i'm i use my phone as my notification system so all the comments i get from youtube currently they come through my phone uh, and i my phone is always muted it's always there but when i'm on my phone i see all the notifications and i can most of the time it's just get rid of get rid of get rid of uh, but i can respond mm. to those comments and a lot of the time it's seven eight nine hours after putting the comment or if they put it while i'm asleep obviously it's longer and they mm. they're always oh thank you for the quick response and i'm like it's been hours. <laughs> it's been hours and hours, sometimes days. Um, yeah. yeah, And I, I think YouTube specifically anyway, when when a creator responds to a comment, it just seems like this, you re- you responded? You, you read the comment?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that one's a difficult one to keep on top of, but I, I do go in and uh, I try and respond to them once a day. Um, but I s- kind of set a time limit, so I, I don't get yeah. to them all, but I try.
0: When, when you become a bigger creator, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, um, but uh, I, I can understand that the comments will probably take up a lot of time.
1: It, well, it, I mean, I'm not, I am not—I don't have a huge following either, but what I would say is that um, I think it's really important because people have taken the time to watch your video and then actually add a comment. So I do think it's really important to, to give at least some response and particularly answer the questions. Because uh, a lot of – actually, and to be honest with you, it's the questions – that I get there that actually fuel my creativity because I see my world every day and okay I'm very lucky I have a lot of coaching clients so I get to see many different people's uh working world and, and life but I, I the more I see the more my brain can start thinking okay if I had this problem how would I solve that problem so it fuels my creativity uh, does the comments anyway. So I love the comments and I love responding to them because I know that they they've taken time out of their day to write a comment. So I'm always up for for responding.
0: Yeah, that's that's good. And it's something I want to try and keep up with. Something I've 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 had in my mind when you said it, you said you don't keep your projects in Todoist. You have your tasks in Todoist. Mm-hmm. Correct? So mm-hmm. where where is the the I guess overarching project board do you have one or what is class as a project maybe is a is a better question okay all my
1: projects are kept in in Evernote I use Tiago Forte's uh para system so mm-hmm. projects areas resources and archive I think it's a wonderful simple system uh once again though I would advise people uh, Tiago's got a fantastic blog post explaining the whole system but be careful because if you follow it to the letter, it probably won't work for you. You need to adapt it because part of the para, what he recommends is that all your systems from your to task manager, your notes app to your files organization should follow the para system. That does not work for me. It doesn't work for the type of work that I'm doing. But organizing my notes that way works brilliantly. And so... All my projects are kept in a projects notebook. Uh, it's a stack in Evernote, and I have one simple note, which is a table, which is my what I call my master projects list, and that has all the projects that I'm working on, definitely in this quarter, and any any that I'm particularly, I'm certain I'm going to be doing in the second quarter, will be in there now. So, and I have a link to that note in my Todoist, which says review on a Saturday morning when I do my uh, weekly planning session, that's when I will review. And and then I can decide which projects am I going to put massive amount of effort in next week. Um, I find that's the only way to get projects done. I think the biggest difficulty for most people is not actually doing the projects, it's actually getting started. So I have this thing and I always look on a Saturday and say, right, which of these projects am I gonna put massive effort in next week? So then I can schedule that out into my calendar
0: yeah yeah and oh, there's, there's so many great nuggets nuggets of information in there <laughs> i'm just like yep yep i like it i like it uh, uh paulina has has put in a really good comment and i thought i'd bring this up on screen sometimes i even take up um into some research to comment on a video yeah it's,
1: exactly and- that's why we should be commenting we should be responding hmm. yeah ex- exactly and i, th- I think
0: the from my experience in the comments, there there are sort of like three stages. But some of the comments, you look at it and you think, this person has like consumed, digested, and has an informed in like an informed opinion on what's going on in in the video. And I'm like, I need to respond to this because, I mean, it helps me, <laughs> helps me understand what they're thinking. It, it can educate me. And some of the comments, like I, I I know there's loads of stuff I need to learn, and there's people mm-hmm. watching my videos that know that, and they put it in the comments. So. You might have already, I see one of the other
1: things I found very interesting, and I only noticed it about six months ago, was only 67% of my audience are native English speakers. Only 67%. So that actually means that there's 30, if my maths is correct, 30, 30, 30, well, more than 35% um, are non-native English speakers. Now, fortunately for me, I've I spent 15 years teaching English here in Korea, so my whole life was... 15 years of my life was spent speaking to non-native English speakers. In fact, actually my wife is Korean, so she's non-native English speaker as well. So I know that when somebody watches a video of mine, that I'm likely to be speaking very fast and because there's a time pressure on it. And and also I'm very aware that some of the things I'm doing, and when I'm editing the video, I look at it and think, "Ah, that's too fast. So I know sometimes a lot of the questions I'll get are from non-native English speakers who've misunderstood something. That's not their fault, that's my fault. I see that purely as my fault because I didn't explain it properly or slowly enough so that everyone can catch it. And. I have had some comments which have always made me laugh from native speakers saying, Oh boy, you speak so slowly. And I'm going, Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but they're thinking they're criticizing me, and I'm just saying, thank you, I'm speaking slowly. <laughs>
0: so- yeah, I'm I'm on the other side of that. I'm I'm very enthusiastic, and when I speak, I, I speak quite quickly anyway. And when I'm enthusiastic about it's enthusiastic about something, I speak quicker. And in the videos, you have that sort of not necessarily urgency, but you're you you just you want to get all the info out and then it's it's just quick um and (laughs) a lot of people it's funny i have a lot of my audience watch me at times two speed and it's perfectly fine and then i have Mm -hmm. other people watching it at 0.5 speed and saying i still talk too quick (laughs) (laughs) i can't please everyone (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you've got to be aware of your audience. And that's one of the great stats that I saw on YouTube. And I do look at it. And, you know, uh, at thir- I think it's 38%, isn't it? No? Yeah, 38% th- or oh, 33%, sorry, um, of my audience are non-native English speakers. That was a wake-up call. Made me realize that I do have to speak slowly. Yeah, that's, that's
0: interesting, actually. I, I haven't asked some of the other channels that are similar to ours with, with apps. But my, my audience are predominantly uh, US, UK. US, UK, mm. New Zealand and Australia, um, mm. they're like the, the, the top four. Um, yeah. So it's inter- what, what are your what are your main countries that I'm curious?
1: Uh, Germany, India and oh, I can't remember the other one. Um, but I know Germany and India are always up there. Um, and it's I think it's actually Spanish is the second language because the third language. Or um, But it doesn't actually divide that by country uh it's spanish which i know that spanish is the second most popular language in the world so it's likely to be spanish but india is definitely up there germany is up there as well but uh, but they have a population of what 90 110 million if i remember correctly so um, somewhere
0: around there yeah yeah I'll, yeah, I'll probably do a quiz or something about populations
1: because I like learning random facts because trivia is yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that kind of makes sense. But um, so that that's. But I know that Germany, India, and Spanish are the three other languages um, that are people watching my videos. So it's really important that I don't speak too fast and I don't use colloquialisms and, and my original Yorkshire uh, <laughs> words that that occasionally slip out and my wife will go, What? I said, Oh sorry <laughs>
0: Oh, okay, someone someone from Chile. I I saw that actually further up. Yes. I, I do have a lot of people from all over the world. It's just the majority that watch the videos are from are from the, the, the bigger countries, I guess. Um, Toran put an interesting point in when we were talking about para. Tried para for a while, but I eventually came up with my own system. And I think that is the best way, from my experience, the best way to come up with a system is to use other people's ideas, methodology, whether that's GTD, whether that's para, PPV from August Bradley, or insert any system that someone's spoken about use what they've got, like take the bits you like and leave, leave everything out and build your own system
1: for, for yourself around whatever tools you found. Is, is that it's, what- Yes, yeah, it's, it's really important that it works for you. Um, and actually to me, that's part of the fun because you end up with systems that really do work um, for you. So um, that's why I think once those, once you've got a system working for you, the tools just slip into place. Yeah, But I think the mistake people make is they start with the tools and the tools, are they'll give you a sample to set it up because obviously they want you to get started with their app. So I know with Todoist, every time you set up an account, it's got work, personal, shopping and stuff like that. So people who are new to this will naturally think, oh, that's the way to organize my projects. But it isn't. There are many different ways of organizing projects. So it's important to start with your system first and then find the apps that will support your system, not the other way around, because you'll end up with a real mess if you start with the apps and then try and develop a system around the apps. I I agree to an extent.
0: I'm curious as to how how would you suggest someone build out a system um, without using digital tools? So, for example, someone uses uh, a paper calendar and and a, a book whatever notebook uh, and they want to get into using digital apps and tools because they see some of the uses for it where would you typically guide that person if if they've got a a paper system and they want to move that paper system to
1: digital what every time i will say go start with the built-in apps on your phone or built-in apps on your computer these days so if you're in the apple ecosystem that's reminders open up reminders as a new app it's got one one project called I think it's called Tasks or Reminders. I think it's called Reminders, if I remember correctly. Um, or start with uh, Microsoft To Do, which has a simple similar, just says Tasks, because that way you're starting from a bare bones application that's not trying to sell you anything, not trying to do anything. It's just trying to provide you with a, with a product that might help you. Um, when you start going to third-party apps, which are fantastic and add, you, add the extra power, but you need a system before you do that. Um, that's why I would always say like Google, Google tasks, for example, I mean, you open up that as a fresh new account and there's nothing there except one tasks or uh, to do's or whatever they call it. Um, like inbox and out. then you build it out yourself and that's how you do it because then you start to see how you're using it. Um, be patient. It takes, I mean, when I think about it, it's probably, well, David Allen is a classic example. He will tell you, it took him 20 years to come up with GTD, 20 years. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like a, uh, a flash of light and saying, this is the system. No, it took 20 years of making mistakes. I think the same with me, it's taken probably about a similar amount of time of making mistakes of learning and then putting together a system. But when it comes to productivity, particularly with your task manager, it, there is a foundation which never changes. You've got to collect everything and you've got to collect it into a trusted place. You need some time each day to organize what you collected into place that you can find it later when you need it. And of course you need to be doing the work. So those what I call COD, which is collect, organize, do. Those, that's the foundation. And every single system that you look at will always have an element of COD in it. You've gotta be collecting. You need to organize it so that you can find it when you need it. But you need to be spending at least 90, 95% of your day doing the work not fiddling around with your applications and uh, that's the way I look at it
0: yeah very 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 true and i I, I'm not sure whether, because I loads of people have all their abbreviations with the, the letters and the words and things. I think is code something, Fran, uh, not Francesco, Tiago talks about code as his thing. I'm not sure whether it's similar, um, but collect, organize. I can't remember what the D is, and then E is like. Well, I, I
1: came up with a system. I called it COD, which is uh, collect, organize, and do. And um, you know, I've been writing about that now for about four or five years and just say, look, guys, get this sorted first. Collect it organize it do it yeah but spend most of your time doing
0: Mm -hmm. so with with the with the doing aspect i'm assuming you're going to take your notes in well in evernote or any other i would imagine you have another clip or do you just use evernotes clipper for everything do you have anything else Um, i
1: have i have on my phone i use an app called drafts because drafts is just outstanding it's because one of the problems I found uh, when I use public transport is I call it like the, the transferring train test. If I have an idea, just as I'm pulling into a station that I need to transfer to another line, then I need an application where it's one, one touch and I'm into the screen and I can either dictate or type my idea and then leave it there and decide where it goes later. Because sometimes an idea, an initial idea might actually turn out to be a task. So if I open up Evernote and start typing, go, oh shoot, this is a task. And then I have to close that down, open up to do it. And that was a real pain in the early days. So what I did then was I came across this app called Drafts. And again, I've been using this one for years and years and years. And it's right down in the bottom right-hand screen of my phone. So it's like, I blindly, I can just tap that. It's also on my watch. So when I'm driving, I know I don't even have to look at my watch. I know exactly where it is, bottom left corner, Tap, speak, and it's in. And the way that I've set drafts up is I get the badge icon if there's something that's not been processed. So at the end of the day, I can't miss it. It's got one or two or three, and I can go in and then I can decide, oh, this is a task, send it to Todoist, or this is a, an, an idea, send it to Evernote. So that's the only addition that I actually have.
0: Right, I, I was gonna say, because that, that sort of answers the question I was gonna follow up with is, when you grab notes going through the, the COD system, I, I assume you need to process the note in some way. Do you process that? Do, do you have in your mind at the end of the day, I need to go through all the things I've captured? Do you have a reminder for that? Or is it just something you're just, you just habit now it's, that you go it's, in? It?
1: It's habit now, it's just cl- part of my closing down. I just, I go, you know I'll, I'll clear out my to-do list tasks for the day down to zero, open up the inbox. And then I just decide, as I said at the beginning, when, when am I gonna do these? And I'm hoping that most of it is next week. <laughs> I, because really at the end of the day is it's very easy to say oh I must do this this week but you've got to be honest with yourself must you? Must you do it this week? Um, and so what I do now is I have my calendar open if I look at my calendar I actually have a look at it earlier today and I thought right anything that new comes in now forget it it's going to happen next week and I will tell everybody this isn't going to happen until next week uh, I've seen my calendar for the rest of this week and it's busy busy <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. So, I think a lot of people. I, I mean, I know Scott said this. People live off their calendar. You can't really go
1: without a calendar. Um, no, are, are I
0: mean understand? that's
1: to me. That's the this. It's the the most important tool in your in your toolbox. Task mm. lists are great. Uh, to, you know, notes apps are great. But you know, both of those can be replaced by a piece of paper. But the fast moving world that we live in today and the way that we're collaborating with people on meetings, like when you set up this meeting, you sent me the link. I missed it. I got the Google link, but but we found it in the end and I found it in the calendar. And it's the same when people book a coaching call with me. They get the link and it's in there and they get reminders. It's all run through the calendar. And that's kind of like determines my day. You know, that's how my day is run. Uh, the task list manager, pff, I can just have a piece of paper on my desk and it would be just as effective. It wouldn't be as elegant, but it would be as effective. Same yeah. with notes. I could have a ring binder on my desk. And, I, you know, let's be honest, anyone over a certain age probably had this system, which was a piece of paper on their desk. And that's where their notes were. I know in the early 90s when I, I was using a Franklin planner and it was always open on my desk, the pen was on there and I would be using that all day. So... Those systems worked, so, but the one thing these days, because of the way you don't wanna be going, are you free on Tuesday? No, I'm not free Tuesday. Could you make it Wednesday? 12? Well, no, I can't make it to, how about three o'clock? No, I'm busy. You know, do you really want that? No. So your calendar these days is probably, it is, it's your most powerful productivity tool you have in your toolkit. Uh, and you, Pretty when you great. get, into, you know, when you get into the world of time blocking as well, I mean, it's brilliant.
0: I was going to ask do you how much how much do you time block? are you are you meticulous in your time blocking, or is it more of a this is a a section of time that I want to be doing this sort
1: of thing? Well, it's for me, if time blocking was about starting to understand where was I at my most creative and my I'm at my most creative in the mornings and late at night I, I'm one of these weird people <laughs> I have two. I'm, maybe I'm lucky, but I, some people say, no, you're weird. But I, I, can, I can really focus for about two or three hours in the morning, and I can focus for about two hours in late at night. So from maybe 10 till midnight, I, I can do another good focus session. In between, I'm toast. I'm, I'm no good. So what I do is, knowing that, I will block out the early mornings and I will block out late at night so that I can do the focused work. So that gives me a good five hours of focused work every day. And I, I work I work seven days a week because I love what I do. And, you know, my wife would just get really irritated if I was hanging around her all day. <laughs> so so she'd quite likely exactly disappear into the office. Yeah, I'm exactly
0: the same. I, th- I think in the... In the, not necessarily the creative world, but individuals that have a little bit more control over what they can do because they enjoy what they do. The work hours can go both ways. You can say, well, I can control how much I work. But then instead of having the 35 hour week, you have the 50, 60 hour week because you're just going and going. So how do you how do you tell yourself to stop? Because, I mean, for me, I have a lot of energy. Maybe it's because of my age. I'm not sure, uh, but I can quite easily work. 10 12 hours in a day and go oh i need to sleep because it's something
1: my body needs <laughs> <laughs> yep well, uh, i do have that problem too but um actually what i do is i uh nowadays i will take i have a call tuesday mornings and then from 9 a.m i i block tuesday off as much as i can uh occasionally i have podcast recordings on a tuesday late tuesday evening but it still gives me the whole day and we're very fortunate we moved from seoul the main city here in korea to the east coast so we're only five minutes away from the beach and right now it's not particularly pleasant because it's minus 11 oh it's minus two now it's minus two outside late at night but it's minus two but it's still cold um but in a few weeks time it's going to get springtime, and it'll be really nice and warm so five minutes away from the beach so yeah we can go and sit out there at the moment we sit in the car shivering Drinking hot coffee, but we're saying we're at the beach. <laughs> but hopefully, in a few weeks' time, we'll be able to walk along the beach and um, enjoy the coffee. Um, but we can go off and do, you know, go out and have family trips and stuff like that on a Tuesday. Um, but and the other one is on Saturday nights, I block um, three hours on a Saturday evening for TV time to catch up with Death in Paradise at the moment, which I love that series. Eight out of cats do. Eight out of cats do. Countdown. Love that one. uh, Would I lie to you? So funny. Oh, I'm sorry. These are all British comedy shows, but I just absolutely love them, and I can get them on YouTube. So (laughs) that's my Saturday night. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. I mean, I've got to like. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Maybe it's it's because I'm also British. Paulina asked a question that was, I think you kind of covered it. Uh, How long did it take you to find your systems? Uh, I've been searching for a year now and still struggling. So for me, I would say I'm still searching for my system. I have a system and framework that works for me. I get stuff done. Is it perfect? No. Um, And I don't think there's going to be a, I found it no end point because things are always changing interests are always evolving life is obviously changing so i would say i found a framework maybe you could class this as a system to get me doing things um much more of a mindset than a system um so i haven't found it um what, what about you are you
1: sort of you see you nodding okay so to find your system i don't think you ever will because it will always evolve because technology is always evolving. And the next the next big thing, of course, is gonna be how machine learning and if we ever get real AI, not this mm. algorithmic AI, which is still bite, uh, bits and bytes and uh, binary code. But when I think about to where my system is today and where it was back in 1992, 93, with the Franklin Planner, it's still pretty much fundamentally the same. I'm collecting, all day, I have a list, a task list, that tells me what my priorities are. So as I said before, I have my two objectives and then eight focus tasks. That was an evolution, but I still was, I mean, anyone who's familiar with the Franklin Planner, you had A1, A2, these were your priorities. And then you had B1, B2, and then C1, C3. And I, was used, I used that for, I think it was 14 years. And although GTD, I temporarily suspended that prioritizing, I soon I came back to it when I did the, um, when I did the uh, time, se- uh, time sector system because I realized, no, priorities are still important. What are my objectives today? And I actually learned that from Tony Robbins as well, which is there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown at you every single day, 80% of which is just comp- you can just ignore, although it's very hard to do so, 20% of which will actually get the job done. Our job is to figure out what is that 20%. That's the real battle I have every day. What's the 20% that's going to get 80% of my work done? It's a battle. You'll never win it, but it's worth trying every day because when you do have those successful days, you think, okay, I only did 20% of my tasks today, but whoa, I moved that project forward. That's what you're looking for. Um, So there will be a system that you start out with, and what will happen is you will build on that, and it will evolve over time. So Franklin Planner was purely analog system. I'm now, you know, 20 years later, whatever, I am now purely digital system. I have no paper. I don't have a printer. Um, Anything, any paper that comes my way, scanned, and it's straight into my digital system. I think I did that three years ago. I went paperless, and I've never looked back, and I've never had any issues. There's a few legal documents you obviously have to keep. Uh, but I've got that down to probably about this thick file now. And um, that's it. And I'm really looking forward to digital passports. Because that's <laughs> yes. a real pain, having to still, oh, have I got my passport? Because all my tickets, you know, well, I know we don't travel these days. But when we can travel again, you know, all your tickets was in my iPhone's wallet. It's like, ka-ching, ka It was just easy. But then you get to passport control, and it's like, where's my document? So <laughs> Which I'm just waiting it in. for that. Yeah, digital passports, please. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're coming. Uh,
0: when when you mentioned the 80-20 rule, I think this is a skill. I know that it's a skill I had to learn. Um, I learned it at university because you just have to. It's the skill of saying no and knowing when to say no to something because it's very easy. I know for me anyway, it was very easy for me to say, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. And then you look at the end of the day and you think, I've said yes to way too much stuff. Uh, and it's easy to say yes to all of the tasks that you've put down. So it's it's learning to say no, sometimes, all the time, to certain things. And it's, I guess it, it's it's that skill of
1: what can I say no to now, or just say no to what, in general? Actually, one of the thing tricks I've learned on this, and it was again, it was probably by accident, was um, is when somebody says, "Oh, can we meet up on Wednesday?" I never say yes. I'll say, "Let me check my calendar." Now, of course, I could pick out my phone and check my calendar, but I want time to think about it. So I'll say, let me check my calendar and I'll get back to you. And it's a lot easier to say no via text message. Actually, you don't just say no. You just kind of say, I'm really sorry. I'm fully booked that day. Um, let's try another day. <laughs> and then you don't you don't, you don't, don't mention that. You just say, let's try another day. It's like, let's do lunch sometime. Mm-hmm. One, yeah. There was a wonderful expression. Somebody says, if you're not wildly excited about doing something, then don't do it. And nice. it's really hard. By the way, that that you've got to be really strong to be able to do that. But if you're not wildly excited about doing something, then say no.
0: I, uh, it- so that's actually something that I've said quite a few times. It's 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 a motto that I've sort of adopted for myself when I when I was struggling a few years back is fun first. If mm-hmm. if I'm not excited about doing something or if it's not going to be fun for me in in the process, not not the end goal, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's the process of doing it fun if it is, then I'll do it. If it's not, then I will find a way not to do it. <laughs> yeah. Whether that's good or bad. <laughs> uh,
1: absolutely. Mm.
0: Uh, and someone asked about your channel. I do where where is the name? uh i there it is uh can anybody let you know about the channel so i've linked carl's channel in the description so you can just click on the app mention and i believe it's just your name anyway um so
1: yeah you can find me just type in my name and you'll find me <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes uh we're closing in on the hour i don't know how much longer you have have to talk so i'm no, okay honestly, for a few no, more
1: no. minutes i don't worry a few <laughs> more minutes okay <laughs> yeah.
0: um yeah because i i know obviously you're, you're a busy person and you
1: I have a call coming up. Yeah, <laughs> I've delayed her. I've delayed her for a little while, so don't worry.
0: <laughs> okay, good, good. Because uh, I have one more one more question that's been been burning a little bit with when it comes to project management, YouTube management specifically. I'm thinking in my mind, how granular do you go with your actions, your tasks? Uh, I know some people when they have their their video, they just go, "This is a video. I'm going to put it on my task list." And I'm thinking, like Matt Diavella, for example, he goes, "I need to do a video." And that's just in his to, like to do app and and that's it. And then everything to do with that task, he just, it's up here. Then you have other people that are extremely granular and go, okay, I'm going to have, this is my research. I'm going to use this for this bit. I'm going to do this for this. I'm going to time block this out and really, really granular
1: with the whole video project process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's, what does that look like for you? um okay Wednesday is finalized the um so this is one task on Wednesday which is finalize the video list for this week actually it's next week really because obviously they go out the following week uh Thursday record screencasts that's it Friday we score, uh record headshots and I have a floating task which says edit videos because I need I know I need about two hours to edit the videos so um I will try and do that on a Friday but more often than not it gets done on a Saturday morning Uh, And that's it. Um, Once they're done, I do have a checklist because I I found I was forgetting things. So it was like um, little things like check the video rendered correctly. So it's very easy to let Premiere Pro render it and save it into the right folder and then upload that to YouTube and then find that something's missing. So I have to watch the video um, first to make sure it's rendered properly. Um, So that's that's actually like a checklist that I have for this, which is in Evernote, uh, just to make sure that I do do the following things. Um, But that's really about it, I don't go granular. And um, as I say, I'm very, very fortunate now because I have uh, quite a few people who do follow me and they leave comments and questions. And I get a lot of email now as well with questions. And this is fantastic because that feeds that, you know, people talk about, well, do you get that, the writer's block kind of thing or YouTuber's block, I suppose it's called now. Uh, Yes, I did in the first year when nobody was really asking questions or leaving comments. But once they started coming, that fuels it. I mean, I get <laughs> I will get many, many questions each week and I can pick and choose which one. Oh, right, I can explain that in Todoist or I can explain that using Evernote or I can do that as a productivity mastery series video on my YouTube channel as well, um, which will explain why I don't do this or why I think you should do that. So yeah. I'm lucky now.
0: Are you familiar with Seth Godin's view on the, on the writer's block?
1: um i love seth godin (laughs) so um i've actually just about to start reading his latest book which is called the practice because i saw him being interviewed on impact theory recently i think it was back in december and he talked about the book and about the process and I, i i i've learned myself that yes it's about the process every monday morning i write a blog post every tuesday morning i write the podcast script every thursday i'm doing you know the screencast and it's without fail it happens it's blocked in my calendar because that's what i do and i know if i stopped what have i got and i love doing it so it's never a problem
0: i love that you say that that's what i do like to me in my mind you you've identified did you you've identified yourself with those actions that time it's sort of I do this at this time. So uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've worked with a lot of athletes, uh, pro athletes because strength conditioning is my, my field of study. It's where my master's mm-hmm. degree is. And I've worked with a lot of pro athletes and they, they have the same mindset. So a lot of swimmers, they'll get up early in the morning. I swim from, five till seven, whatever that happens to be, that it's, it's just who they are. It's, I identify as a triathlete, a boxer, whatever. I go to the gym at this time, I do this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And you said, it's what I do. It's, it's just. Well, actually
1: yeah. it's funny you should mention that because when I was, an athlete, when I was in my teens, I was a middle distance runner and I ran for Yorkshire several times. I ran in the all of England, English schools, championships. Um, so I was, <laughs> as you can be in the UK in sport, in school, I was as full-time athlete as you can be. And so I had some fantastic coaches who always taught me, it's it's not what you do on the track in the summer, it's what you do in, in the country on those muddy, wet, cold fields in the winter that will determine how successful you are in the summer. So I learned, fortunately, as a teenager, that it's you know, the glory is what comes after the hard work that you put in. And it's, you've got to do it. You just, you can't, you know, I, I do remember as an athlete, there were these people who who were, you can call them talented, and they'd start the season off and they would be so much faster than everyone else. But when it got to the middle of the season and when it got to the end of the season, when it really mattered, because that's when the big trophies were coming, that's when the championships were you know they'd gone they'd bust it because they didn't have the strength they didn't put the effort in the winter and so I saw it and I learned from them and I still apply that today and it's what I do I I create content and I love doing it and something that Seth Godin said it's don't don't look for something you love doing love what you do and that just hit it for me I thought that's why I keep doing this this is why I keep waking up on a Monday morning and sit down and And on a Monday morning, I'm sat at my computer, writing with a big smile on my face, thinking I am the luckiest guy in the world. And
0: I mean, the two questions I like to ask myself, one in the morning is, do I want to get up? If I want to get up, I know I'm doing something I'm excited about in the day. And every morning, if I ask myself that question and I get get out of bed very quickly, Um, I'm not a morning person, but as soon as I'm up, I'm up. That's it, I'm good, I'm going, I'm working. And then the other one is right at the end of the day. Do I want to go to bed? If the answer is no, then I know I'm doing something again that I'm enjoying, I'm having fun with. And those two questions at the start and the end of the day, if the answers change, I know something I've either I either did the last day wasn't that fun, wasn't exciting, or I know something's coming up in the day that isn't that fun, isn't that exciting. So I need to change something, some way, uh, mm-hmm. to to keep that smile on my face that just doesn't yeah. go and the enthusiasm because it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Fun first. I, I think we can we can close it out with with this comment, uh, Paulina. Thank you very much for the interview, Danny and Carl. Mm-hmm. I just got so many new ideas to improve my system, and yeah, I love it. I love it, and that's that's why I'm doing these conversations because it's not just us nerding mm-hmm. out a little bit about all the the, the fun <laughs> fun little the yeah the, the nerdy parts of the systems, but it's it's
1: helping others do the same thing. It is. It's a wonderful journey, mm. and I've been doing as I say, since middle school, and I would never stop because I just love it. Always looking. I think it starts with the question, how can I do it better? Mm. And I love that question because it does keep forcing me to look at everything regularly, not necessarily every day, but certainly once every three months, and just thinking, is this working? Could I do it better? And yeah. that's, how, that's
0: how you get better. It's funny you say that. I remember the, I don't know why it's glued in my head. Uh, Mr. Haplin was his name, year six teacher. We were doing a DT project in schools, like, you know, with the sticks and you build a cube with the glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, that'll do. And he said, no, no, you never say that'll do. It's how can I do this better? And that's just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So, year mm-hmm. six teacher, thank you. You probably have uh, <laughs> no idea what you're doing now, but yes. <laughs> okay um so we can we can close out there i apologize for the dog if you can hear it. the dog's barking downstairs um is there is there anywhere you want to direct people um people watching on the replay or still still listening in is there any way you want to direct them other they than
1: the YouTube channel? yeah they can find me at my website which is kyle uh access to all my blog posts podcast youtube channel and everything else that i do is right there <laughs>
0: Awesome, awesome. It has been great speaking, and i'm I, I'd love to have you on another time, maybe a few months in the future and see see if anything has changed in the world. We never know, um, never but, know. Yeah, keeping in touch with with all the productivity i I class myself as a productivity nerd. I don't know mm-hmm. whether you're happy to grab that label but well, no, i'm very happy with that <laughs> productivity nerds uh, but yeah so thank you for talking and to everyone else i will probably go live on twitch later on because i've got some things messing around i use twitch for my exploring random random doing stuff um but yeah i'm going to be streaming on youtube in a couple of days with a, another another interesting guest i'm looking forward to that conversation so yeah thank you carl for your time and uh, yeah. to everyone else i will see you either on twitch youtube or in the comment section so have a good morning day evening whatever time it is when you are and i'll see you then